Hi, welcome to this episode of the Blaze Podcast put together by Blaze Incorporated. I'm your favorite host, Onyema Udeze. So today I have in the house uh, Architect Peter Udo, who's a registered architect with the Architect Registration Council of Nigeria, ACON. He's also a seasoned architect, a free thinker, and the current managing director of OMZB Cities Limited, based in Nigeria. So he's the founder and the proprietor of OMZB, where he works with the team to build modern architectural ideas and projects. He's also a lecturer at the Department of Architecture, University of Nigeria, Osaka, where he tutors and mentors students for the future design industry. So generally, he has a passion for the adoption of modern work tools and metal industry. So it's a pleasure to welcome Peter Abdul today. So, after Peter, how are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm okay. It's great to see you again. And, uh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're very much welcome. So, as I said, we'll be discussing the question on how green tech is affecting the built sector today. How that is actually eroding design autonomy. So, before we start, I'd like to ask um, you know, a lot of people today came by um, design autonomy. So, this is quite a big question. Could you just tell us a bit more about what you mean by design autonomy and how we're beginning to lose it in the built sector? Okay. Uh, thank you for the wonderful introduction. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Okay, very briefly, um, when we talk about design autonomy, let us talk about autonomy first. Autonomy means the ability to self-govern or self-decide what you want to do. So when we talk about um, design autonomy, we are talking about the ability of an architect to be uh, wholly free to create his building according to the client's needs, uh, with okay. his artistic and creative capabilities. So um, that's just a brief summary of what design autonomy is. The fact the architect okay. can, can design and entirely coordinate the, the built environment. So the second aspect of your question says how are we losing design autonomy with respect to um, uh, smart green construction or green technology and all the rest. Now, yes. the architects are not um, very conscious of this encroachment, but it's an encroachment that is coming at a very rapid speed. In the sense that um, digital uh, construction, um, big tech, uh, you know, computer breathing uh, enthusiasts are rushing into the built sector to sort of convert the finished product into almost like a technological uh, product, sort of how cars are being produced or mass produced. So um, how, it's, how we are living at design autonomy comes to the fact that if, there, if we streamline all our design solutions to just go into producing very efficient clean buildings, um, in the near future, you find out that, that with technology, we can reach a point where the most effective way to construct a building would have been uh, produced by by all the data we have and um, may make the architects less relevant. Or will, let's, let's say the way Autodex has uh, a, a software that can generate design options. Although it still gives the architect ability to adjust those options, but 
Imagine when the options generated for you and generated for me are almost the same thing because our parameters that we put in are almost the same thing. So um, we we must first of all not forget the reason why buildings are built. Buildings are built for the comfort and the use of human beings, not because of the environment. We, and yeah. so um, if we if architects can keep reminding anybody that is coming into the built sector. But the reason why we design buildings is not just to make the building energy efficient. That is, that is maybe the secondary purpose of building design. The primary purpose of building design is for the use and comfort of uh, the humans in it and to satisfy the need of why the building was produced. So, okay. That's yeah, so I, I completely understand what you're driving at. So, but I, I believe that the essence of these tools as well is to, you know, to aid human beings. That's why even when CAD came out, it was called computer-aided design. So, basically, computer is aiding us to. So, basically, while we are leveraging this technology and software, we shouldn't lose. I mean, we shouldn't lose our creativity as architects. I mean, ability to still be able to conceptualize our designs. I know. I tell her it was the end users at the end of the day. So quite that one is quite pretty straightforward in terms of understanding what design autonomy is. So now going deeper into the topic of the which is talking about IoT, smart buildings and all that. What do you understand about smart buildings and the role of big tech and IoT in these smart buildings? So okay. I won't clarify uh, on design autonomy, yeah. Yeah. Um the second question is you just asked like a continuation of the first. Um, yes. For me personally, smart buildings are buildings that leverage um, existing technologies and um, data to perform efficiently, especially with regards to um, energy conservation and um, human comfort. So smart buildings are actually a step in the right direction. I don't have um, any much grievance against smart buildings. The way I have previous with is how do we get our how do we make our buildings smart? Yeah. So um, let's start from the let's go back to let's just rewind a little bit to how architects design. Now if the whole concept of smart building and internet of things and digital construction, whenever you see an advert for them, what you see, you see a machine laying blocks or you see someone saying that this building was built in three hours using a machine and so therefore we can build one million buildings using machines and, and for me that's a very wrong way to, to, to start to look at um, the future of the construction industry because the reason is this um, if, we, if we start designing and building with machines you limit the creativity of every architect to the extent to which the, the, the the equipment as at that period would to create things. So I know that we have 3D digital printing and the rest of it. But um, there are so many complex um, elements, especially when it comes to providing of residential houses, that you don't want the guy in your village to be dependent on a, a, a technology that is made in, let's say, Germany, for example, just because you want to make smart buildings. And the fact of it is that um, if you look at it holistically, we are not able, not everybody, not the definition of smart buildings uh, that we have now in, in, in let's say, in the developed world can still be the same definition of smart buildings 
in, in the real world, in, in the developing world. So you can say smart buildings in the developed world means the use of technology. If you come to Nigeria, you can redefine that. The use of smart buildings in Nigeria could be the, the, the fact that we can effectively use our local material to produce buildings that are both comfortable and uh, eco-friendly. So that we, we, we not, not all of us will be relying on the next invention from, from, from Germany or UK or US to build a very small, tiny building. Uh, let's say somewhere in, in Castina also. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's quite true. Is, I understand why you got to bring, but one of the, one of the also major aspects, one of the major important aspects of smart buildings is also the leveraging IoT devices to, you know, enhance the user experience. You know, talking about being able to control the amount of energy buildings are consuming or being able to control your buildings remotely. I mean, where you are not in, the, in your house, you can be able to remotely see the activities going on in the house and maybe on your way back from work. So basically, leveraging IoT. So what do you have to say about Yes, um, I'm totally um, concerned. I don't say against, but I'm very concerned about allowing big tech into the beauty industry. The reason is this, um, especially when it comes to um, data collection, especially because big tech moves with data and data is is all the business there is today. So um, when architects are talking about IoT and and big tech. I am against big tech in the build sector. The reason is this. If you introduce a lot of technology into your bedroom, let's say, and the bedroom can, the technology in your bedroom can actually collect data on how long the, the light bulb stays on and how many times, you know, sensors on the doors that can regulate the air conditioning. Uh, this kind of data can end up in area in places where you don't want them to end up. So, um, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical about introducing um, such technologies into building. I'm okay for for design sustainability, but I'm also I'm also in for um, user privacy and um, autonomy while you are in your building. You want to be sure that every data you generate in your building especially individual private houses, should remain as um, privately controlled as possible. If that is possible, it can only be possible. Um, I, don't, I don't even know how, how architects can get into that. That's why uh, maybe you can help me with that, with that aspect of it, but uh, okay. that's my concern with regards to Yeah, it. so from what you're saying, basically, you're not against us making our building smart, but you're against the fact that we are leaving it out to external parties to you know handle that for us which actually believe that it is a problem is a problem that kind of comes out from the industry it's it's it starts with the way we even design buildings to start with you know typically when you go into a building you want to deliver a building even from the contract the way the initiation of that project starts where you have to first of all the consultants will first of all design perhaps in silos or collaboratively and then then I hand it over to the contractors. So you see that when you compare our industry with other industries, you see that there is a very high level of disintegration. And that, so even if you have the, it's not as if today, you have the AV industry, the audiovisual industry, or the system integration industry that integrates technology systems into building. But a lot of times you see that these guys are not part of, they are not an integral part of the design process. After the 
designers, consultants have done the design. A lot of times, perhaps it's even the contractor or the client himself that bring these guys and say, you know what, I want to make my building luxurious. So it's because of that gap that we have in the industry. There are needs that these clients have that the core professionals in the industry are not meeting for them. And then the tech giants, the likes of Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, they have identified that gap in the industry. They understand the fact, I mean, we spend up to 90% of our lives in buildings. And they understand the fact that we need to be comfortable in these buildings. We need to be able to enjoy ourselves, entertain ourselves. So this is what is beginning to bring about all these solutions we are seeing today. Today, you can have Google Assistant or Home Assistant in your house. You just issue a voice command and it can do things. You're outside of your building. You're able to monitor the activities ongoing in your building. You know, you know, some people have children and they have needs. They don't know if the maid is maltreating a child or something like that. They want to be able to, you know, with sensors or cameras in the house, they want to be able to monitor the activities in the house. So, like you said, you know, maybe I don't know how architects will go into, but that's basically where the problem comes in. We as professionals, we are leaving this thing out to the IT guys. When we design buildings, we are not thinking about the user experience a lot of times. It's typically architect is thinking about, even when we talk about functionality, functionality is basically talking about how the anti-room leads to the living room, how the living room leads to the kitchen, how the kitchen leads to the bedroom and whatnot. That's functionality that a typical architect. But if you are talking about an app, an iPhone, for example, now, the user experience is basically monitoring how you are actually reacting to everything that goes on that phone. It's tracking all those things, analyzing those things, and that is how they improve. We as professionals, how do we improve on these things? I mean, how do we, really, you know, today, when I was in school, we did a course called post-occupancy evaluation. Post-occupancy evaluation mostly is after the building has been designed. What exactly are we learning from these things to influence the future designs we are doing? We don't have all these things in place, and it's very hard for us to improve. I mean, the likes of Facebook, Google, they're just barely more than 20 years old, but they've been able to perfect their industry because they're analyzing everything. And because we don't have that in our industry, it becomes a huge market. At the end of the day, it's just a okay, market. Okay. I, I, I want to ask you a question just very quickly. Will yes. you be comfortable? I, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of um, of improving our our products, our output. Yes. And um, yes. I'm all for it whichever way we can evaluate. My yes. my issue with, with Internet of Things, especially connecting everything in your house, you know, the, yes. my issue is with the extent to which yes. I see it going. Unfortunately, yes. the extent okay. I see it going is, is very, it, it's, 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 it, it will get to a point where there will be enough data to, to program your life. Let me just put it that way. Will you be comfortable having a sensor in your bedroom? <laughs> Any sensor at all, maybe even if it's a no. light sensor. Yes, I completely understand what you're saying. So me, I'm not supporting. I'm not supporting the fact that IT guys are coming to our industry to do what we're supposed to do. I'm only saying that we as professionals are not doing that. And this is okay. even the bigger. The bigger part is that it will get to a point where we cannot even compete because these guys. We are talking about financial capability or financial capacity. We cannot even compete. I mean, we are talking about companies that are worth over two trillion dollars. Apple today is worth about two trillion dollars. Microsoft is almost two trillion dollars. Facebook is about one trillion dollars. So if we really want to compete, okay, we we'll suddenly wake up and say, you know what, we want to take these things into our hands. We want to be able to compete with this guy. How do we even compete? So it's it's, it's actually an owners and us that it's because we are not delivering buildings that are intelligent. That's why they are not coming in to make it intelligent for us. If as professionals we are designing to we are designing closely with the systems integrators, for example, or the AV industry, why why are designing your, your plan of a house 
you are thinking of all the cabling that will go through you don't have to use an apple apple city or whatever to control your house you can actually run cables through your house and those those things will be hard kind of hard wired into your house the same way you run your electrical wire in your house you can run cables that connect all the stuff to your house and these things can now i mean feed into a building management system or a particular management system so these are is because as an industry we're not innovative enough we're not innovating big enough that's why they are coming in to solve it's a problem for the industry for the end users as human beings today all of us tuning into this session we are all in our houses I mean, we want to improve the way we experience these buildings. And we as professionals, we are not doing it enough. So it's a market. At the end of the day, it's business. It has, it has created it. Whenever you have a problem, you must have a solution. So we don't have the solution, and then they've come in to provide the solutions. And we, we, are, we are not even conscious of it. We are also leaving it out to these guys to do it for us. And to make it worse, we cannot even compete in the long run with these guys. Because, so basically, I think that's also what now leads to be. Basically, we're, we're able to identify the negative impacts of this green tech on design autonomy and how it's impacting our industry. So basically, the next thing now is all the NRC are the way forward to curtail the negative impacts. I mean, you also, at least from this discussion, you've seen negative impacts. What do you see, maybe for your own suggestion, what do you see as the, yeah. as the way forward, you know, as a way forward to curtail negative impacts of the green tech on both design autonomy without losing the promising advantages of green tech as well? First of all, the, the issue now is you know why we are talking about smart building and yes. why we are talking about internet of things and digital technology one of the main reasons here is um, sustainability and green technology and that yes. is and unfortunately i think in, in in our case especially with the with the recent promotion i've been seeing about what is called um, let's say efficient smart technologies in, 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 and, and these things have fed us from developed countries because our context is different. So a lot of a lot of us think that green technology always has to do with something that has to do with technology itself. Maybe you need to you need to use um, solar cells. You need to impute sensors in your building. In in Nigeria, for example, um, when you when you are trying to give people an idea of what efficient green technology is um, we we seem or you ask some people they seem not to get it let me give an example the basic and most functional architects in the world i used to say are nigerian and the reason is because we have we don't have consistent power supply so all nigerian buildings are always passive buildings they are always green buildings they will they will pass for a lot of things if you go for approval in, in the major cities in Nigeria, let's say Abuja, for example, Lagos, and you don't have cross-ventilation in your major room, that building may not even pass approval. That's what they look out for. So you discover that we are already... And then they, they check for setbacks and some things like that. Although architects always falsify some things like that. But you discover that in, in our own case, we are working towards um, sustainable building with regards to the needs of our peculiar environment. If you fit a building with sensors in Nigeria and a lot of digital equipment, the way Nigeria is presently structured, you, that building will cost more to maintain than a building that has that, that is just designed to take advantage of the environment. So I think we as architects, especially when we organize seminars and we organize um, uh, any gathering that will enable us to develop the industry, 
we should actually begin to see how we can introduce technology to calculate in in in, in very with little margins of error how we can harness our uh, physical environment and then use it properly. Let's say you want to introduce solar shading in a high-rise building uh, instead of doing uh, instead of instead of going towards applying sensors to monitor the AC. Something of that nature, especially if yeah, you are designing public building. So I think this... we should have, okay, I think we should have a no, different continue. approach. I think we should have a different approach towards green technology, especially in developing world. world. Especially those countries that don't have consistent power supply. We should actually see how we can reduce reliance and dependence on technology we can't produce and begin to, as architects, to work from technology we can produce and then integrate those we can't produce in a sustainable manner. In a very, like, if you have not positioned your your ventilation through design properly, don't start talking about placing ACs that will on and off when people come in. Why not do the ones you can do so that when you want to place uh, an air conditioner, at least it's supporting uh, your design essence in the beginning. So I think that's where yeah, we should just redesign green tech from. Yeah, I completely understand because, you know, well, in Nigeria, for example, we still have very, we still have a, a, a lot of spaces, more or less. You cannot compare Nigeria with places like New York or Tokyo and the likes where they have very special amount of land. They have to use technology to maximize. So basically, I, from what you're saying, it has to do with you know, leveraging the natural features as much as possible and then complementing it with technology, which is which is quite understandable. But the truth of the matter is still is the fact that as professionals ourselves, we should also put all these things as, as much as possible into consideration right from the design stage of the facility. Because a lot of these things will add on buildings to make it more sustainable in the long run. A lot of them take place after the design process, or some of them even after the construction process. A client today might, a client today might travel to Las Vegas or wherever. I see a very fine-looking um, smart home kit. You just bring it into his house and you say this building is smart now. You can begin to issue voice assistance to the device. And so, but if as professionals uh, we will be able to think more creatively during design, and we will begin to innovate more. So I think that's a good way forward. But like you said, it's, it's important to at least maximize the nature as much as possible. I mean, if naturally you have ventilation in your building you might not the building might might not be consuming so much energy to start with for you to now say you want to use technology to reduce the amount of energy consumption and then maybe if the building you've already thought about all the setbacks and what maybe the security might be enhanced but basically i think the the, the point or the point here is we as professionals need to now begin to see this as our responsibility as well even if we don't design these things at least during the design we should be able to collaborate more with the specialists in this field when I left school, the best place I worked was a home automation company. They do systems integration. And I know that the way they work is that they receive finished designs from the consultants. And a lot of times the request even comes from the architects, I mean from the clients. So they receive print designs from the consultants and then they will now begin to you know look at how to integrate technology into it. So they are not even communicating with the consultants in the first place. A lot of times they are answering directly to the clients because the client wants to make his building luxurious. Maybe the client has a lot of money and he wants to enjoy luxury in his house. So it's, it's if as professionals we see it as our responsibility 
right from the design stage then i believe that that will also help to salvage one of the situations that are looking almost uh, yeah, I, like i i agree with you on that aspect that we as professionals need to get we need to get involved okay. in all the uh ways that we can make our buildings smart and we should also try as much as we can to be the ones that um, design the 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 extent to which technologies can be introduced into buildings. The, the yes. reason is because the, the, the home, especially private buildings, is a very autonomous space. Somebody's house must be kept as private as possible. So even if you want to collect data, for example, from residential house owners, we should be such a way that those technologies can be devoid of deep tech. So that, yes, you know, when architects make recommendations for the installations to be made within a home, the homeowner should be able to, at the end of the day, have that data within his or her home and be at liberty to contribute such data to be used for any optimization in the future. But the way things are going, yeah. it's not seeming that way. It's like in the future, architects will just, will just be adding Siri and any Apple device <laughs> anywhere we want to add. We, we, and you yeah. tell the owner, homeowner, your home is smart. And so we, we, my concern here is with both the design autonomy of the architect. Because one day, if you, if you consume enough data to artificial intelligence, they can actually just, millions can spot up from, from computers that are the most perfect replica for, let's say, energy efficient designs in, let's say, sub-Saharan Africa. But that's not how architecture works because you know the the, the clients are always different. So when we are talking yeah. about smart buildings, I think we should always limit it to to not that the fact that technology will start building all our buildings, but that architects yes. will, should rise up to the occasion of making their buildings uh, much more uh, in tune with with technology in such a way that it doesn't encroach privacy. Yes, and that is if you also look at it, you see that a typical architect is not even thinking of the management or the operations phase of the building that is designing. Because, okay, let me even use an example. I like to use the telecom industry as an example. When you buy an iPhone now from, from Apple, in fact, Apple makes more money after you purchase that phone than how much you bought that phone. And that's because they, you keep upgrading almost everything in that, both the hardware, both the software, the firmware, everything in that. They are, they are completely in charge of the entire life cycle of that phone till you change that phone apple is still in charge of whatever you're doing on that phone so as a professional we are not even thinking of how these users if you are thinking of the maintenance of okay like for example had companies like Atera that came up and unfortunately they had some issues recently these are companies that are already thinking of buildings as a solution not necessarily a product that you just deliver and get away with because if we are thinking at as professionals are thinking of the facility management of these facilities we're able to at least take charge of the facility management or FMS solutions or the BMS solutions that are going to these facilities. And that is where you can also have the users of these facilities have inputs or say into how their data is being used. For example, today we have a company called Siemens. And Siemens, they also have some solutions that aids in that regard where you integrate technology that helps to manage facilities. So these are kind of solutions that are not necessarily big tech. I mean, not too far away like Apple, Facebook and the likes. They are still tech enabled, but at least the owners or the designers of that building 
can now leverage those. They have what is called Mindsphere, for example. Mindsphere is like an open source platform that you can begin to integrate all these IoT devices. But in this case, at least it's properly designed and the actors are aware of how these things communicate. And at the end of the day, the communication ends on the FMS solution. Yes, it might be cloud-based, it might be a cloud-based solution, but at least it's, it's contained within a partition management solution. And not necessarily the fact that it lies in one Apple server or Facebook server in UK somewhere or US, or at least contained within the partition management solution or the building management. Even the building management solution is a local solution that can access within the house. So these are the kind of solutions that if as professionals you are beginning to think this way, you are beginning to take charge of what you are delivering. Even the energy consumption of these facilities, it will reduce because a lot of times, why we don't consume so much energy? Because they are not even so much consumed. You think of the money you are paid to do the design. And once, once, once you are paid as a consultant to design a house, you, can, you, 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 you hand it over to the contractor. The contractor too will think of how to make his money to construct the house, hand over to the, to the clients. Then the clients, and then they see that buildings, you spend as much as 90% of the money during the maintenance of that building. That's because people that design it, they're not concerned about how you use that for it. So I think that's basically quite clear. So which now leads me to the last question I have before we also look at some other things. So now you're lecturing in one of the top universities in Nigeria. What role do you see the tertiary institutions play in preparing the students for the massively to transformation in the built sector? I mean, today we are complaining that tech is coming into the built sector, they are beginning to, you know, how, what role do you see the tertiary institutions or even regulatory bodies or wherever it is to prepare the students for the markets or the industry ahead, ahead of them? Uh, what we've been discussing since, I think this last question is, is most pertinent because um, it depends on how you train the architects, that's how they are going to practice in the field. So right now, in, in most universities in Nigeria, the adoption of um, technology into the curriculum is, has not been uh, encouraged, especially when it comes to producing um, the final product. So let me say, uh, in a university, you could, like my university, uh, we could be teaching computer-aided design to the students. We could be teaching AutoCAD, Revit, and then. Uh, but when they come to present their works and do their designs, the, the design still goes back as if none of that was implemented. Most times in the undergraduate level, they design using uh, pencil and ink till date. In the postgraduate <laughs> oh. level, do we design with computers. But when you see the presentation of the jury, uh, these kind of questions about how efficient and effective the design solutions are uh, leveraging the technologies that we're able to use while producing the design. Uh, it's, not, it's not asked and it's not even presented by the student. So um, the textual institutions have a, have a lot to do. First of all, I will advise them, uh, or advise myself because I'm part of it. Okay. But we, we, should, we should integrate uh, especially, let's say, design technologies, let's start with um, CAD and BIM into the design process, starting from like the earliest years in design. And um, secondly, we should, in the, in the master's level, let's say so, students should be able to produce um, sustainable design solutions that, that can be proved empirically through data using this technology. So let me give an example. If you if you if you are producing uh, 
if you say a building is is well ventilated, the building, your design solution, your your project, um, did you did you carry out a solar analysis? Because you can actually carry out both the, the sun and wind analysis on the building to see whether the building is properly shaded, whether the the, the positioning of the you know these are solutions that that can be as detailed as possible because you have the technology to carry out such analysis if, if you if you leverage the technology properly. And then can you show details in, in, in 3Ds like so that it's not just the 2D points that you have. You can you can leverage your sections for this agronometric views. Produce a lot of convincing details. So um, there should be need there should be a need uh, for the tertiary institution to demand that from the student because the students they won't outwork what they are given. Most students will only work within the parameters. And I think finally that the regulatory bodies like ACON and NEC should make uh, uh, technology an integral part of uh, the architectural profession. A lot of the, the, the old lecturers that still believe, I won't say old lecturers, but a lot of lecturers they still believe that a student students should grow because because the it is important to post architects to grow. I, I'm not against that, but there is no architectural firm now that produces drawings in in in, in pencil, paper, or ink. I don't yes, know if you know of any. But there is no. no. I don't even know if, if such a drawing in ink will pass approval. You trace your paper. So because these things are okay, we are, we are training students to have to, to, to know how to trace, to buy tracing pen and paper. But they will never use it immediately. In fact, they don't even touch it when they go for internship. So why are we... So uh, I think for the, for the architectural institutions, we, we need to get smart. We are the ones that yes. need the smart building and internet of things more. So that we can yes, I, I, completely, I completely agree with you. And funny enough, because of some experience I've had in the past couple of years, I also know that it's not just architects. It has to do with the entire youth sector. I mean, I think it was two years ago when we had this national roundtable that was organized by Beam Africa and Autodesk. And they brought together all the stakeholders in the youth sector in Nigeria. Architects, engineers, MEP, structural, quantity surveyors, land surveyors, all of them, both the regulatory bodies, both the academy, academia, both the professionals, all of them, they were in that roundtable discussion. It was a whole day event. And they were brainstorming, basically it was on how to integrate Beam into the youth sector in Nigeria, even into the academic institution. So, in the, in, the, in the course of that discussion, it became obvious that the, the protocol and the bureaucracy is quite much. And it's not surprising that after that program, the whole thing kind of died out. This is two years later, there's no communication again on that. Bill Africa, at least some of us, we tried to follow up. But... So basically, you see that both the regulatory bodies, both the academia, the whole process of trying to integrate technology into the curriculum is, is way too slow. And technology is not waiting for anybody. Yeah, I use a lot of software. You are trying to catch up with what is released this year. And before you know it, a new version is out. We are in 2021, but Autodex 2022.2 or thereabouts is already out. So this is how fast technology moves. So, and we are still here talking about drawing board and T-square and tracing paper. So, this, <laughs> so honestly, you see that these are issues that even on a global scale, really, it's not only Nigeria, but just our own is quite, Africa is on another scale, but on a global scale, these are issues where academia is always behind the industry. And so basically yeah. you need to find a way to 
you know, fast track these things because it doesn't make any sense that you go to school, spend all the years in school, spend all the sleepless nights in studio, and then only for you to come out and they're not even employable. A typical Nigerian, a, a typical Nigerian firm might say I've employed you, but when you now try to compete on a global scale, you realize how how backward you are uh, after spending all that money and time. Someone that's even uh, is, uh, uh, it's it's what you're saying, and there's some there's a danger to the tertiary institutions because you discover that in the near future they might become irrelevant. Most students yes. actually learn a lot, not from what they are taught in class. But from what they learn outside the class while they are in architecture school. So yes, uh, the tertiary institutions actually need to balance, understand, you know, go and collate data from their students and, and, and see how to optimize yeah. their products. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the, the message is quite clear. As an industry, we have a lot to do, both from the school, both as professionals. There's a lot of work we need to do because technology is coming for us and we are not even be able to compete with it. So it's been quite some interesting discussion. Before I round up, I normally like to ask some of these random questions just to you know, okay. go beyond tech. So I have two questions for you here. The first one I have here is, uh, what's your favorite architectural style and why? I mean, as an architect, I'm sure that you might have a style to your architectural design. So what's your favorite style of architecture and why? Uh, okay. I... My favorite architectural style should be, let me just put it, my favorite architectural buildings collection that I've loved will be the buildings from uh, um, architects like uh, Blue and Friday, the people that designed most tropical buildings within Nigeria, India during the 1960s and 70s, those architects. And um, oh, okay. they designed buildings that would, I, I, I love buildings that fit into the environment properly with considerations for the environment. So I would prefer very simple buildings. I love, although I don't get to design it most times because my clients are always asking me for one thing or the other, which you have to satisfy. But my my idea of architecture would just be a very, uh, a very efficient building designed to flow with the environment, to respond to the environmental needs without over-reliance on technology. <laughs> I would prefer that yeah. kind of building. <laughs> okay, definitely I can. So, I completely so agree. I don't have a link for that style. Yes, I don't have a link for the style, but uh, <laughs> you, can, you can research on designs by Pro and Fry and see some of their, their designs. They, they did a lot of designs for for building yeah, really I'm, tropical. I'm sure uh, at least Vernacular yeah. Texture also has a whole lot of, you know, putting yeah. the context into consideration. Sure. So yeah, that's which, quite which clear. is lacking nowadays because we we are all we are all designing sort of the same kind of buildings nowadays. I don't know with with all the information we have. Yeah, we're imposing a lot of external features into on our buildings. Yeah. Okay, so one last. One. What are your favorite spots? What's your favorite spots? So, uh, I'm about <laughs> of the spots, my boy. I, I play tennis once in a while, so oh, I'm going okay. to go for tennis. Uh, so. Okay. All right, so that's great. That's been a great discussion. It's been a, a pleasure having you share your thoughts yeah. with us today. Yeah, I think before we round up, um, as a lecturer, I don't know if you have any other thing to use. What advice will you give like, a, a typical student to prepare himself for the industry? 
well, the, the, the industry it's a long journey. So what I what I would advise any student is unlike unlike other professions where you just come out of school and become I would say become almost like a boss or independent. In architecture, when you come out of school, you just discover that your training starts. So while you're at school, do all the best you can to make sure that you learn a lot. But when you come out from school, actually, that's where the real, the real learning begins. So um, I, would, I would advise them to study hard and I advise them to prepare to, to develop much more outside of school than in school. Those architects that stopped learning in school, what happens is that the, 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 the industry overtakes them and they are backwards. So if you look at any architect that is that is making waves today or that is trying to do anything, just be rest assured that that person is, is learning every day on the job and is, has an open mind to keep learning. So that's all. Yeah, so thank you very much. It's been a great uh, session. It's an honor to have you to share your, your experience and your ideas and opinions. So I also look forward to having you in subsequent episode. Thank you. Yeah. Have a nice day, everyone. Yeah, thank you, man. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Blaze Podcast. Don't forget to check out our website, www.blazemy.com. www.blazemy.com. You can also check out my page, www.onyema.me, www.onyema.me, to explore our other several contents. Thank you very much, and I'll see you in some other episode.